Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. The American Thoracic Society has released new guidelines on home oxygen therapy for adult patients with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD, and interstitial lung diseases. Today, I'll be speaking to the co-chair of the Guideline Writing Committee, Dr. Jerry Kushnin, who is a pulmonologist, professor of medicine in the Division of Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine, professor of public health in the Department of Epidemiology Biostatistics, and associate vice president for population health sciences at the University of Illinois in Chicago. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Krishnan. The summary of recommendations is separated into a few sections, one of which is COPD. Can you talk about the recommendations for patients with COPD specifically? Absolutely. When the guideline committee reviewed the evidence about home oxygen in this population, we ended up examining three specific questions. The first question is, should long-term oxygen be prescribed for adults with COPD who have severe chronic resting room air hypoxemia? The second question is, should long-term oxygen be prescribed for adults with COPD who have moderate chronic resting room air hypoxemia? And the third question was, should ambulatory oxygen be prescribed for adults with COPD who have severe exertional room air hypoxemia? The group conducted a systematic review of published literature, um, then using the grade methodology that the ATS endorses, uh, examined the quality of the evidence, and then uh, through a process that grade uh, recommends, translated the evidence into recommendations. The translation of this evidence really is based on the body of evidence that could be used across a number of studies uh, as it relates to answering these specific questions. And the ATS recommendations based on this work is that in adults with COPD who have severe chronic resting room air hypoxemia, we recommend prescribing long-term oxygen therapy for at least 15 hours a day. So for this particular recommendation, the Guideline panel uh, felt there was a, a strong recommendation with moderate quality evidence. And what a strong recommendation indicates is that the harms um, are outweighed by the benefits in, in most, if not nearly all patients. And therefore, we would advise that providers employ long-term oxygen therapy in this population. As you look at the second question uh, regarding moderate chronic resting room air hypoxemia, the guideline panel concluded that we suggest not prescribing long-term oxygen. In this case, it was considered a conditional recommendation based on low quality evidence. A conditional recommendation means that patients and, and their providers need to, on a case-by-case -case basis, uh, use the principles of shared decision-making in uh, deciding whether or not um, oxygen should be used in this population and we felt that on average, the harms and benefits tilted towards not using uh, long-term oxygen therapy in people with COPD who have moderate chronic resting room air hypoxemia. That also suggests that there are gonna be individual circumstances where patients perhaps felt that their quality of life was significantly improved by using long-term oxygen therapy. 
particularly as they were walking or exercising, they felt they were able to do more than uh, they would without oxygen. And in those individuals, um, the guideline would be supportive of using long-term oxygen therapy. So the third recommendation re relates to adults with COPD who have severe exertional rheumatoid hypoxemia. And in this case, we suggest prescribing ambulatory oxygen. The guideline panel graded this recommendation as a conditional recommendation based on moderate quality evidence. And what that really means is that in individuals who do not have severe resting rheumatoid hypoxemia, but who do develop severe exertional hypoxemia, in this situation, we again recommend a conversation between the patient and the provider to discuss the harms and benefits of using ambulatory oxygen and making a case-by-case -case decision about whether to proceed. And what do these recommendations mean for prescribing oxygen to your patients with COPD? So as a practicing physician who would uh, see a patient with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, first step is to evaluate their level of oxygen saturation at rest on room air. So if it turns out that their oxygen saturation is 88% or below, or uh, is 89%, uh, but they have evidence of right heart strain as evidenced by lower extremity edema, uh, they have a hematocrit that's elevated, you know, at least 55% or higher, or they have a P pulmonale on an ECG, then in those individuals, then we would recommend using long-term oxygen therapy and prescribing it at 15 hours a day. And what I would do in that particular circumstance is to uh, talk to the patient about the fact that based on the clinical trials that we have, that people live longer if they use home oxygen as consistently as possible, but also spend some time with them to let them know that uh, using home oxygen for 15 hours a day or longer really is going to affect the way they carry out their activities of daily living. They're going to have to think about where to put the stationary oxygen concentrator, which is typically you know, near their bed, and uh, how they're going to make sure that they're as they're using their oxygen, that they don't trip over their oxygen cord, and that if they were to head out out of the home, that how to make sure that they have adequate supply of ambulatory oxygen devices, such as oxygen tanks or portable oxygen concentrators, and to let them know that I will work with them as their physician um, to make sure that as we um, uh, implement these guideline recommendations, that we also reassess from time to time about whether or not at the end of the day, the patient feels that they're, they're benefiting uh, from the use of this oxygen. In most cases, uh, we believe that patients will live longer and will overall do better. But as with every recommendation, we will reevaluate both the oxygen requirement as well as the oxygen equipment to be sure that the patients are on appropriate therapy. If an individual, however, has what we call moderate resting rheumatoid hypoxemia, and that's something you know, that generally is defined as uh, oxygen saturation of 89 to 93%, in that case, uh, then we would have an individual discussion with that patient about what we know regarding the use of oxygen in this set situation, which is currently really only based on a single very large clinical trial that was done in the United States that found that using oxygen in this population uh, did not improve the rate of hospitalizations, didn't uh, 
change, how long people lived. And um, when examining multiple secondary outcomes, such as health related quality of life, how far people could walk or lung function, uh, that we couldn't detect any benefit, um, but that individual patients may have a response. And so we would leave it to them um, to decide in this case, whether they wanna um, use home oxygen or if in fact uh, that this is it's not time yet to use home oxygen. So that's the benefit of the current guideline recommendation by ATS is that it leaves room for individual decision-making but gives overall guidance about how those decisions should be framed when talking with your patients. And then the final category would be question number three as it relates to severe exertional hypoxemia. So there are many patients, in fact, most patients that I see, they initially have either mild or no hypoxemia at rest. And then as their COPD progresses, they in it, uh, first start to develop hypoxemia during exertion and that over time they may de develop severe hypoxemia with exertion as defined by SpO2 of 88% or lower. In past years, um, you know, we would have recommended individuals with what we call isolated severe hypoxemia to begin home oxygen. This set of guidelines, as we now reviewed not only the results of previous studies, but also subsequent studies, I think we would provide more of a cautionary note and say that you know, using oxygen in the situation where you really only develop hypo severe hypoxemia during exertion, that ambulatory oxygen might be a good idea for you, but uh, it isn't gonna necessarily benefit you. And we would make this decision on, a, on an individual or case by case basis, and perhaps even a trial period where that individual could try the use of home oxygen when they are ambulatory, when they're leaving the home. And if it's turning out that the, the burden is not worth the benefit, so to speak, that um, I would be fully supportive of them discontinuing uh, the ambulatory oxygen. Um, and so what research is currently in the works or that you hope will be conducted that will help improve these guidelines in the future? Sure. What the guideline did, in addition to, of course, helping us clarify what we know, was to be more clear on what we don't know. These now become targets for research conducted by members of the American Thoracic Society, as well as other research personnel. First and foremost, I would say, is uh, research to help implement these guidelines. What I've just described in this podcast, there's a long ways between what we know what to do and what actually happens with individual patients in clinic. So we need to find out how best these decisions could be implemented by clinicians and their patients when they're making decisions about starting oxygen or when they're making decisions about stopping oxygen. And we call that implementation research. So first and foremost, after all this work that's been done by a number of individuals over a few years is to make sure that we know how to implement them in such a way that patients and their providers are uh, supported in making evidence-based decisions uh, regarding the use of home oxygen. So that's the first one is implementation research. A second recommendation is recognizing that much of the equipment that we have currently for the delivery of home oxygen is relatively cumbersome for most patients. They could be heavy, for example, or if you're using concentrators that are portable, uh, that their battery packs don't last very long. 
uh, or as patients are trying to make decisions about how much oxygen to use, they're having to check their oxygen on a separate device, perhaps a pulse oximeter, to be sure that, that they're ha- using an adequate amount of oxygen. So what we'd like to do in the future is to have smart devices that perhaps are using sensors tied to the oxygen equipment that automatically senses how much oxygen people need and appropriately titrates to the right amount of oxygen so that we're not dependent on intermittently following individuals, perhaps every three months or every six months or once a year, but really recognizing from day to day or week to week or month to month that people's clinical situation can change. We wanna make sure that the oxygen device is delivering the amount of oxygen that's needed. And then lastly, I think that we need to better understand what are patients' specific needs and how do we make sure that the oxygen delivery devices are meeting their needs. And we need to think very carefully about creating um, multi-stakeholder cooperatives where patient groups, clinicians, researchers, industry, home medical equipment companies can work together in order to make sure that uh, all the stakeholder questions are being addressed as they develop new models of care that include the delivery of oxygen. A specific area that's, uh, I think, uh, very much a need is that in most cases, patients are started on oxygen when they leave the hospital following a COPD exacerbation. So that's typically a time in which there are uh, impairments in ventilation and oxygenation in people with COPD. They may also have some pneumonia and shunt uh, related to pneumonia. But as they recover and, and how long it takes people to recover varies, their oxygen requirements might change. And we need research to better understand how best to monitor these individuals, both remotely and in person, so that we are delivering uh, the amount of oxygen that they need and that over time that we're supporting people to be mobile, to be active, to feel that they have a, a safe way in order to get the oxygen. We essentially need new models of care that are um, adequately tied to patients' clinical status that changes over time. Very similar to what we now do with pacemakers and people that have cardiac dysrhythmias. A lot of these pacemakers are actually, through the cloud, actually communicating with nurse practitioners or other providers who are monitoring individuals uh, so that if there are problems, that these things are detected remotely. I think we need such devices and we need models of care that can support individuals in that same way. And so what would you say is the overall key take-home message for providers who care for patients with COPD? The American Thoracic Society has spent a couple of years working with multiple stakeholders, including patients, clinicians, the respiratory uh, therapist community, and others in developing uh, state-of-the-art guidelines about uh, when to start oxygen in individuals with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. The take-home message for providers is is that we have very good evidence now to support these decisions, and the ATS guidelines have made those available to providers. It's not a one-size-fits-all. I think decisions regarding uh, the use of home oxygen in people with COPD needs to be tailored based on the level of hypoxemia. The guidelines that have now been produced provide firm guidance, but leave room for individualization as providers and their patients make decisions during clinic visits, during 
virtual visits and other healthcare settings. I think patients and their providers should view the work of the ATS, including the guidelines that were developed as a reason to have some optimism that there is something we can do to help people breathe. There is something we can do to help people live longer and more productive lives. And recently published pharmacotherapy guidelines, essentially medications that we can use to prevent COPD exacerbations. Um, and this particular set of guidelines around the use of home oxygen is another example of the fact that even as people have more severe lung disease with COPD, that there's a number of things that we can do, including the use of home oxygen in a way that helps people be- breathe better and live longer and, and lead more productive lives. Thank you so much for joining me today and answering all my questions. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today uh, on your podcast.